Hi, a quick note before we start. If you have young listeners with you, please be advised that this podcast contains strong language. Also, it's serialized, so if you're just joining in here, you should go back and start at episode one of season three. Okay, let's start the show. It's the day before Jason Weems' big special. I'm tagging along with him and Dion on their way to center stage, the Baltimore venue where it's being held. Dion is in charge of the special now. And there's the beautiful center stage theater. We are parking. I haven't put it up yet. Oh, my God. For months, Jason has been anticipating pulling up and seeing his name on the marquee and his unknown poster in the window, the moment he would turn the corner from being unknown to super known. The theater told Dion that it would all be up today. So they probably put it up the morning of the show. Mm-hmm. Okay, we all good? Yeah. Just... Let's be selective of anger. Let's go ahead and do a good job. Jason is trying to keep Dion calm. They're taking turns being pissed off about details that haven't come together. Frustration. Some straight bitches. Straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it'll be good. crew arriving at center stage. By the next morning, the day of the show, things have settled down. People are slowly wandering into center stage with takeout coffees in their hand. Hey, in the bill. Jason bounces in with a couple of friends and his opener, Pierre Benou. Pierre is an artist, an up-and-coming Baltimore comedian. They've pulled up in a U-Haul van with an outrageously heavy Baltimore City bench inside. It's a real city bench they've borrowed, the kind you see at a bus stop. It's brown wood with the words, the greatest city in America, etched into one of the slats. Jason really wants it on stage because it's a prop that only someone from Baltimore would appreciate. They've called in an extra friend to help bring it into the theater, so Jason doesn't break his back carrying this thing the day of his show. It's got massive concrete blocks attached to the bottom and none of them really want to bring it in. But after an hour of huffing and puffing, they do it. (laughs) Oh, man. About 25 people show up over the course of the morning. Friends, camera people, production assistants, center stage staff. They're mostly young and black, with several wearing t-shirts that say things like Baltimore with love or Baltimore creative. It feels like everyone's on a mission to help this local guy get to the big leagues. I've been on a lot of productions, and this is the most upbeat crew I've ever seen. Copy. Let's do it. Let's, let's do the rehearsal. Let's do the rehearsal without this. You yeah. go get the light. Nobody's freaking out about anything, even though the camera team has way more pressure on them than they anticipated. The show's director, Alexis, gives them a pep talk like it's no big deal. Um, but just remember, this is a one-time rodeo. We don't have two shows like we assumed we were going to have at the beginning of the week, so... It's one and done. So just, just be aware of that. Get some good shots. Um, we In the afternoon, as the show gets closer, Jason takes the floor to talk to the crew. I am Jason Weems. Uh, I'm the guy for doing the show tonight. Uh, so thank y'all all really for being here. This is beyond my wildest dreams. And it really feels like God has his hands on his project. So to see y'all hanging lights and running cords and taping stuff down, it makes me feel like something good's about to happen. This is real special. When these lights come on tonight and these folks in these seats, we're going to make a classic. Yes. A classic. A show enough classic. Like, reasonable doubt. 
I feel you. I mean, it works. The room is buzzing as the crew starts its lighting check. Look at that, look at that. Look at that, look at that backlight. Near the soundboard at the back of the room, about six monitors are set up showing the various camera angles. Jason is standing on stage while they make their adjustments, and Shalanda, Dion's friend who's helping run the event, is giving him the thumbs up. Jason, it looks amazing! It looks amazing! The director wants this to look slick, like a high-budget production. So she and her team are fussing over every detail. Can you walk start from the back? Let me see you start from the... Yeah, let me see what it looks like there. Everyone is focused on Jason, pumping him up like a superstar. Go, Jason! Go, Jason! I love it! But my mind wanders back to a couple months ago, back when Jason slipped Dave Chappelle that invitation. At the time, it felt huge. Now that we're here, nobody even mentions it. I keep wondering if there's some slight chance that Chappelle might show up unannounced, but it doesn't feel right to bring it up. This is Jason's moment. Is he good? Jason, you're good. Yes. Jason, we're good. You're good. Bye. Good. Lock that in. After the break, showtime. There are so many podcasts out there, it can be hard to sort through the noise and find one you love. I want to recommend one of my favorites, Reveal, from the Center for Investigative Reporting and PRX. I listen to the show for its in-depth reporting of important stories where often I've heard a bit about it, but I want to know what's really going on. For example, in their episode Silencing Science, Reveal exposed how officials at the National Park Service tried to censor a climate scientist one who'd been hired to research 100 national parks and how climate change could cause future flooding. But after the Trump administration took over, the researcher was pressured to delete references to humans causing climate change. Facts matter, today more than ever. Every week, Reveal digs super deep to uncover corruption, deception, malfeasance, inequality. And year after year, Reveal wins many of the biggest awards in journalism. And the sound is transportive. For some of the best reporting out there, check out Reveal on iTunes, Radio Public, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Learn more at revealnews.org. From 5 p.m., I'm like glue on Jason, following him everywhere. Mostly he stays in the green room, which is backstage and down some stairs. It's got those showbiz makeup mirrors with lights all around, and the kids are playing tablets on the floor. Jason wants to keep himself in a bubble. His nerves are starting to ramp up. This is the worst part for me. When it's like close to the show, but it's not there yet. And you can't really mingle? Can't mingle. So I feel good. I just, uh, I need to get on stage. I need to, I got to get this energy out of me. I catch him looking over a spreadsheet from center stage with the ticket numbers to distract himself. We were at 219 as of this morning, but I know more sold since then, so... It's been his obsession for the last month, so checking the numbers is just a reflex. The way you check your phone whenever you have a free moment. Probably and hopefully close to the, at least past the 250 range. 
I don't know what it is. In the green room, there's an oversized clock on the wall that Jason can't stop looking at. 6.08. No turning back now. Meanwhile, the lobby is filling up with people, and a center stage employee opens the theater door. Sit up close. Sit with friends. Big room. Jason is sitting quietly in the green room, where the kids are horsing around. Dion has come in with her makeup artist and a photographer. Jason is running through the entire set, reciting key words under his breath to reassure himself. Brenda, 16 hours, uh, waking up back and forth. He's antsy and goes into the bathroom. There are speakers in the green room so we can hear what's going on in the theater, where the DJ starts playing Jay-Z to the audience. Jason lets out a howl from the bathroom and sashays out over to Dion and starts playfully grinding her. They hold each other, giggling, and for a minute it feels like Jason danced all the tension out of the room. Thank God for Jay-Z. Thank God for that man. <laughs> Jason goes upstairs and cracks the backstage door open a tiny bit to peek out, spying into the audience. He starts recognizing people. I've seen all types of folks out there. People I used to teach with, like, ten years ago. We move to an empty corridor, and Jason seems jittery again. He's pacing up and down because he can't sit still. It's just the two of us, with the photographer snapping pictures. Everywhere Jason goes, she and I follow, like mosquitoes that won't stop circling him. Jason ignores us and keeps closing his eyes. Ah! getting himself in the zone, trying to pump himself up. Let's get it. Let's get to it. Leave it all on stage, Jay. Leave it all up there. But then Jason taps his pant leg and takes out his rescue inhaler. He stares at it for a second and holds it up to me. Where it all started. Goddamn inhaler it didn't work. You have it in your pocket? Mm-hmm. Just in case. This little device he carries everywhere used to be his security blanket. He could tap his pant leg, feel it there, and know that if his lungs started pulling, he would be okay. Now, every time he goes on stage, there's this twinge of, I hope it works if I need it this time. I just took a prednisone and some allergy medicine. Are you feeling anything or you're okay? I feel a little tightness, but I think it's more nerves than, than asthma. We stay quiet. Jason shuts his eyes, breathes in deeply, and exhales slowly. Then he opens his eyes, almost surprised. Hit with a good wave of nerves. What does that feel like? It felt like my stomach was about to pass out. So why'd you say it's a good kind? Because I know I'm ready. I mean, I, and I feel this before most shows, even little teeny rooms. So this is just magnified. The door opens, and Dion comes in with their friend Brian. Did you pray up? Not yet. Okay. Did you say a word for me, baby? Uh huh? Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. All right, dear God, we are here right now, gathered before you. 
Jason, Brian, Dion, the photographer and me all huddle in a circle and hold hands. We bow our heads and Jason closes his eyes. Jokes to you, to the people. When Jason had his asthma attack in Philly, Brian was the guy who drove over in the middle of the night and knocked on the door to wake Dion and tell her the news. They've known each other for years. Brian grew up in church, and after the attack, he came to Jason's house to pray with him. Bless his mind, bless his family, bless his friends, bless people who haven't even met him yet to hear him. And um, I just pray for success and victory in everything that's happened tonight. Amen. 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 Yo, you got it. You got it, bro. Brian and Jason give each other a bear hug with big slaps on the back. As Brian and Dion leave us, she turns and gives Jason such a tender smile, like she knows how stressed he is. Jason and I go into the green room, and as we open the door, we realize the show has started in the theater. Jason stands on his toes to turn up the volume on the wall speaker so we can hear the DJ pumping up the crowd. Jason's opener takes the stage, and we hear the start of his set from the green room. Center stage family, stand to your feet. Please help me welcome Mr. Pierre Bidou. Wow, wow. You know, comedians usually come out and say, you look beautiful. You actually look beautiful. <laughs> That's rare. Um, This is a beautiful theater. I am very much confused as to why he wanted to do it in such a beautiful place. I said, are we giving a TED talk? (laughs) What if I told you that there were two words in the English language that can make any audience member laugh? Those two words, these nuts. Now, Pierre may not be well-known, but he's killing. Jason and I move to the backstage area, and he's smiling and nodding along as he recognizes bits of Pierre's material he's heard before. He keeps stealing peeks at the audience. Then Jason looks serious when he comes up to me and whispers something that's a big deal for someone about to go on stage. can't even believe he just said he's forgetting everything. His mind probably is blanking out from anxiety. I end my As it becomes clear Pierre is winding down, Dion comes through the backstage door. She wraps her arms around Jason and they hold each other. Then she puts her hands on the small of his back and looks into his eyes. She whispers to him. You got this. Pierre makes his last joke, and then everyone backstage looks at each other, like, holy shit, this is it. Baltimore! Jason screams and starts pumping his fist and hits it against the wall. It feels completely electric. I want, I want Black Panther open the weekend energy. 
Jason starts bouncing on his feet like a boxer, and Dion is doubled over, freaking out and screaming. You've seen him on HBO. You've seen him on NBC. You've seen him on Last Comic Standing. Give it up for my man, Mr. Jason. When Jason struts on stage, he might as well be the most famous comedian you can think of. He looks so confident, like he's been waiting for this moment his whole life. And the crowd eats it up. I'm a little pissed off right now. Pierre wasn't supposed to be that damn funny. Uh... I told his ass, go get a couple of chuckles. Preheat the crowd. That's all I need, some preheating. This motherfucker came out here and turned it on broil. This is lovely, man. It's been eight years since my last special. Eight years. People always coming to me in the streets. When you gonna drop something new, Jason? When you gonna drop something new? I said I dropped three kids. What the hell else you want from me? Some people don't believe in me no more. Thank you so much, yo. That's my girl, that's Miss Webster, man. This thing done turned to a damn cookout in this piece. For the next hour, I watch as Jason stitches together all the jokes from the last year. Every word he's agonized over, every line. It all flows now. He's making it look easy, like he's doing an open mic night at ragtime. You know how I wish you're still president? Y'all might agree with me on this. I wish George W. Bush was still president. I do. Not because I agree with his politics. I just want to hear him call ISIS is is on national television. <laughs> Yo, you know good and well he says some shit like that. George was dumb as shit. Look here, is is. We gonna hunt is is. We gonna find is is. And we gonna kill is is. When we done with you, gonna be was was. Feel good though, man. I feel successful. Bought a new house recently, y'all clap for that. Bought a new house. But here's the thing, people. It's not the house that makes me feel successful. It's the master bathroom. It's, it's spread out. Toilet, way over there. Shower, way over there. Tub, way back there. I like that, that's success. Because let me tell y'all a little something. If you can sit on your toilet and touch your tub and your sink <laughs> at the same damn time, you done fucked up somewhere in life. You, you hear me? 
you should not be able to multitask <laughs> sitting on the toilet. Jason has this command over his audience for almost an hour. Soak my tootsies. Then he collects himself for a moment and looks at the floor. They say that uh, comedy is tragedy plus time. I want to share a story with y'all. So last year, May 3rd, 2017, I died. Like, not joking died, like real died, dead, dead. Some people in the audience are nodding knowingly, but a lot of people look surprised. I look over at Jason's parents in the front row, and they're the only ones who just look grim. Jason paints a picture of the scene at the bar that night, everything people have told him about it and the things he remembers, like Lauren, the physician's assistant who saved him. So I'm literally on the, on the ground gasping, and then I hear another voice over my shoulder, and it's a woman this time. And she says, hey, I'm a doctor. I was in the crowd. And she starts asking me all these questions. And now let me tell you something. If you, anybody has asthma, knows anybody, if you can't breathe, you can't talk. And her ass is running down the list. What type of medicine are you on? When's the last time you took it? What size jeans are those? What's, <laughs> what's the last four of your social? I like your eyes. I'm dying. This motherfucker's filling out an eHarmony profile. Jason breezes past the part about his heart stopping, Lauren doing CPR, and the EMTs arriving. He doesn't remember any of that. Woke up in a Philadelphia hospital 16 hours later on a ventilator and in hand restraints because apparently I whooped some nurse named Brenda's ass during a CT scan. (laughs) Shout out to Brenda. She's a strong woman. 16 hours, man, is a long-ass time to not remember what happened. I don't remember the ambulance ride. I don't remember anything. I just remember waking up in the hospital. You know what you can do in 16 hours? 16 hours, you can watch all the Lord of the Rings back-to-back. Still have six and a half hours left. Or you can watch Aretha Franklin's funeral one damn time. Just once. Yo, Aretha Franklin's funeral was long as hell. Aretha Franklin's funeral was so long, people attending the funeral died at the funeral. They had smaller funerals at Aretha Franklin's funeral. So I wake up and I'm sitting in his bed, and then finally the doctors come in. And at this point, my wife is there, the doctors come in, and they start talking to me. Now at this point, I still didn't know I died. I just thought it was an asthma attack. And the doctor looked at me and said, hey, how are you feeling? I nodded my head. He said, you know, we lost you for five minutes last night. And I'm thinking he's joking because he knows I'm a comic. I look at my wife, she's stone-faced. I look back at him and he reiterates. He's like, seriously, you fucking died. <laughs> and I was like, are you sure you're a doctor? Because that ain't how you're supposed to talk to patients. Like, you must have went to school online or something. I don't, you must be a DeVry doctor or some shit. medical degree is a PDF. That's what I'm saying. Jason works through the material about his discharge and how his clothes came back piece by piece, forcing him to leave the hospital wearing Dion's hoodie. He tells the audience how stressful it was that nobody could reach Dion that night, that they had to find her through Twitter and Facebook. So my wife was like, you know, that's a problem. You know, you travel a lot. I need people to be able to get in touch with me if something happens to you. So she's like, we can do one or two things. You can either leave your phone unlocked 
or you can get a medical alert bracelet. So I got his medical alert bracelet. Then Jason gets to the part of the story that means the most to him. The emotion he's been digging into on stage since that asthma attack at home. What Don also does, see, it gives you perspective. It makes you appreciative for everything. I've always been a chill dude. I like to laugh. I like to have a good time. But you know, things stress me out. But now, after coming back from that, you find the joy in little things. So please, if I can leave y'all with anything tonight, be happy, choose happiness. Tell people you love them here now. Ask that ugly ass woman out tonight. (laughs) Pay that Comcast bill, because they will cut your shit off. (laughs) Do it now, man. Yo, this life thing is flimsy. One minute you here, one minute you not. Appreciate it, love it. There's joy in the pain. It's like sunshine and rain. (laughs) Guys, I'm Jason Williams. This is Unknown. is ephemeral. What this recording sounded like to you, listening in your car or in your kitchen, might not line up with what was felt in the theater. There was an energy there that transcends the recording. After watching the show, to me anyway, it didn't matter that Dave Chappelle didn't come. It won't matter if Netflix or HBO buy the special. What matters is that it felt like Jason put a flagpole on the ground to mark this moment, where he stood in front of all these people he knew, Friends from school, old co-workers, family members, hardcore Jason Weems fans. Telling them, look everyone, I might have died, but I also survived. I think with Unknown, it was a celebration of life. It was, you know, I made it, I didn't die, so on and so forth. In a way, I guess we were feeling like once we film Unknown, that I'd be asthma free. I had asthma attack on Saturday night completely out of the blue. It's scary as shit. It's a shitty feeling, not knowing exactly why these attacks come, when they do, how aggressive they're going to be. At this point, it's like, it's just a gamble. I honestly don't know if asthma is, I don't know if asthma is going to kill me or not. I want to be here for my kids. I want to put out good comedy specials. I want to make people laugh. And obviously, I got to be here to do that. You know, I got through it. Luckily, I'm here talking to you. Um, I think it just kind of reawakened that idea that we're not out of the woods yet. But, you know, we're just going to keep on living until we can't live no more.
Stay Back is reported and produced by me, Tally Abacassis, and Mark George. The show is edited by Mary Beth Kirshner, and our executive producers are Suzanne Reber and Ellen Weiss. Sound design and score by David Herman, and fact-checking by Aisha Bagshi. First Day Back is a production of the Scripps Washington Bureau and Stitcher. Our executive producers at Stitcher are Jenny Radelit and Chris Bannon. You can find First Day Back on Stitcher and wherever you get your podcasts. You can hear ad-free episodes of First Day Back only on Stitcher Premium. For a free month trial, go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code FIRST. If you like First Day Back, don't forget to rate and review it on the Apple Podcast app. It really helps other people find the show. I'm Tally Abacassis, and you can find me on Twitter at Tally Abacassis or on our website, firstdayback.com. <laughs>